Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and uh, happy spooky season, boys and girls. Um, it is, we are like smack dab in the middle of October. Actually, technically, just past halfway through October. And uh, I did not really bring the the sauce with the spooky episode during my last episode, but I think I will, for the remainder of the month, try to bring a somewhat uh, Halloween-y type vibe. Not like I'm trying to make a themed episode, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm never in the mood to watch horror movies or anything, like, vaguely related to horror. But for some reason, man, we get to October 1st, and I'm like, heck yeah, man, let's do it. I don't know why. It's just kind of where I'm at. And um, this week, I'm going to be talking about a film that I had seen before, and I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, That is 2020's film, uh, The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Whannell. Whannell? Whannell? I think it's Whannell. Um, This film came out, like I said, 2022. Sorry, 2020. Uh, That was smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I remember seeing this in my fiancé's apartment. My fiancé, now wife, um, saw this in her apartment. I think we watched it with my brother Matt. I don't know why he would have been with us when that came out regardless uh, i watched it with them so it had been a couple years there are things i remembered there are things i forgot um and it was a really really a fun watch to have just hanging out you know on a on a normal monday night um I know now why my brother and was with us when we watched this. It's because this film was released uh, February 28th of 2020, uh, which, in case you forgot, is like 17 days before the whole, whole world shut down for COVID. So this was really like the last, you know, film to really hit the theaters prior to uh, the pandemic. So... That's why we saw this. How about that? Jesse is, in fact, smart enough to look up when a movie came out. Um, it's got an, a letterbox rating of three and a half stars, and uh, its Metacritic score is 72. Uh, this is one of these rare occasions uh, where I actually think this is probably better than its average score. I, I gave this uh, four whole stars because I think this is actually really good. Um, the The short answer I have to what do you think of the invisible man is I think Alfred Hitchcock would really like this movie. And, and maybe you're just like, Jesse, you admire Alfred Hitchcock a little too much. He probably wouldn't like everything. And you're right. He probably wouldn't, but I think he'd like this one. It's, it's very fun. In fact, I I realize that I'm so distracted by the things popping up on my laptop that I haven't read the synopsis. Uh, The synopsis reads, uh, when Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects that his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. Um, Elizabeth Moth stars in this film. She's pretty much the only person of any note at all in this cast. I mean, she is a big star and then everyone else is kind of a side character. Uh, which is fine, because she steals the show, and that's what matters. Is she's she is very good in this in this film. Uh, I think that's actually one of the the high points is Elizabeth Moss' performance. Um, so as we 
as the synopsis kind of gives away for us, a lot of this film has to take place inside Elizabeth's, not Elizabeth's, uh, Cecilia's mind. Um, it's very, very interesting. Like, I, I think that's part of the reason that I say that I think Alfred Hitchcock would like this movie so much, because it builds and sustains tension so well. I think one of the things that it does is it just, it shows you something, like you can see it happen. You know, you see, you know, footsteps and there's no person. You see things get picked up and float in the air, but you don't see anyone holding them. And you have every indication that what you're seeing is real. You know, you see all this stuff that our character Cecilia is seeing. And you're, you're inspired to think the whole time, this is a real thing. This person has found a way to make himself invisible. And yet, the film plays itself almost like a psychological thriller because you're not sure if she's making it all up or not. Which is impressive. Like that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do because you know... At least you think that you know. I mean, I guess that's the whole thing with a psychological thriller is that you think you know X, Y, and Z. But, like, we see things happen. And then yet we're somehow convinced successfully to some degree that maybe it's not real at all. And that's that makes for a very fun watch. Um, one of the ways that the film builds tension, it is so simple. It doesn't do a lot of special effects with, like, Oh, like the cushions in the chair depressed, like someone sat down or like, you know, things getting picked up and floating around the room. Like it does so little of that. It does it and it, and it works so successfully, but the main source of tension actually just comes from the way that the camera frames its shots. And, and I'm so impressed with this. I think it's like the coolest thing ever because the filmmakers really just use our own expectations against us. Like the camera will frame up our, our main character, Cecilia, or even the room or, you know, just whatever in a way that we are used to seeing like a two shot with, you know, two people in it, except we only ever see Cecilia. We obviously don't see the invisible man. That's why he's invisible, but we see her and we expect this empty space to be occupied with someone else because conventionally that is how all films are framed. All shots are framed that way. And and so it does stuff like that or it'll do like a pan across the room. And what we're used to in films is that when the camera pans across the space and stops, it's because there's something there for us to look at. Normally it's a person. But when you, you pan across an empty room and stop on like a chair or a corner of the room or something, you expect there to be something and there's not, but because the camera is pointing at it, we're expecting that it's important. And so it just builds all this tension of, I think someone's there. I think someone's supposed to be there, but I can't see them. And it just, it just ramps up and it holds that because the camera is just tricking our brains just the entire time. And it does it so beautifully. It's, it's so cool like it's such a neat little trick it's so simple they didn't have to spend a bunch of money on you know visual effects they just said well what if we shot this film as if there were two people in the frame but there's only one 
And that's awesome. It's it's so cool. And it really is a credit to like Elizabeth Moss as a performer because she sells everything so well. Like she is acting most of the time without someone to interact with. You know, she's pretending like she's you know, she's she's acting, of course. That's all pretending. But I mean, she's playing this whole thing where she's looking around and expecting there to be someone but they're not like they don't have someone in a in a green suit that they're taking out for her to like look at and interact with like she's just playing all this so well and it's it's so good it just builds all this tension so nicely um now there are some sequences and and there's one big one that you you maybe have seen online it's a behind the scenes um it's it's when the invisible man attacks elizabeth and like he picks her up off the ground like throws her across the room they had someone in a green morph suit it's pretty funny like the behind the scenes photos and it's it's very cool like they do so much with so little with this film and i think that's that's the sign of good filmmaking to do a lot with not so much uh which which makes this so fun to watch um a little spoiler alert there for the end. Uh, Cecilia is correct, and she does find out that her husband is finding a way to make himself invisible through some kind of a camera suit technology, where there's a bunch of cameras that take, you know, photos of the things around it and turn, like blends itself in. It's very interesting. It's very super sci-fi-ish. But um, she finds a way to steal this suit or a, a spare of this suit. And she ends up getting a revenge on her husband. Um, he kind of like magically reappears because she signs some documents saying like, oh, I promise that I'll come back to you. Because there's a lot of like drama with uh, domestic violence and such in this film, which does make it pretty heavy. Makes it very easy for us to root for our protagonist. Um, but she gets her revenge. And like the last shot of the movie is her walking out of this modern mansion and it just she just walks straight up to the camera and she's like looking out over the top of it so it's not like looking straight down the barrel of the camera but it just closes with her finally experiencing her own freedom and it's very cool like it's an it's just a nice shot elizabeth moss plays it off so well it's very fun it's very cool um i i really enjoyed this movie like i said it's four stars um this is a fun one to watch with a group um i think it's up for rent on amazon prime it might even be no i think we you know we rented it on amazon prime so it's worth the three dollars I'll, I'll tell you that much this is a fun movie to watch in a group because of the way it builds tension um there are some jump scares which are fun but like it's very fun to watch we watch this with a group of, of friends one of which does not do um like psychological thrillers very well and so the whole time he he held a pillow up in front of his face in front of the tv and just kept asking us what was happening it was very funny because like he was clearly invested in the store and he wanted to know what was going on but he did not want to see it and <laughs> it was really entertaining uh, it's this is like a, a, a very clearly a fun watch this with a group movie um i liked it better than its average scores i already mentioned that but like it's really good. It's it's well made. It's very fun to watch. 
I don't think all of the visual effects, the ones that they did end up using, I don't think they aged particularly well, but luckily the film doesn't like lean on those super heavily. So, you know, in like the one or two shots that I'm thinking of, like, you're like, yeah, that didn't look super great, but it's not like most of the movie is really reliant on you believing this stuff. So a very fun movie, very solid, very fun. Check it out. That being said, um, I don't know. There's not a ton of stuff going on uh, outside of the movie stuff. Um, This past week, the Criterion Collection did end up having its 24-hour flash sale, which I was planning on. I was saving a a healthy chunk of my fun money for the month on for that sale, and I ended up buying like three DV three Blu-rays. Um, one of which is one of my favorite movies from last year. For those of you that were keeping track, and that's uh, Doctor Strangelove. It is, uh, it's finally officially found its way to like my top four favorite movies on Letterboxd. I've been juggling around with that fourth spot for a while and just have nailed down. It's Doctor Strangelove. I just love that movie so much. Clearly, that has to be it. So, I bought that the Criterion copy, which is I'm very excited to break out and watch and check out the bonus features and such. Um, I got Yojimbo, which was also one of my favorite movies of last year. I can't remember if I've seen that this year or last year. Whatever it was, it's like a super great Akira Kurosawa film. It's fundamentally amazing. It's just so good. The film's basically been remade like twice. Once by Sergio Leone. Um, Very fun movie. Happy to have that one. And then uh, Charade, this film with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn that I watched earlier this year, and I enjoyed it so much. It's got a Henry Mancini score, which is the guy who did the Pink Panther soundtrack, um, the original one. And so it's very jazzy. It's very light. It's it's a fun movie. It I, I love that one so much. I think that one's also on Amazon Prime right now. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Like I love having physical copies of things. Actually, I, I was planning to say all this about the physical copies of things. And the Criterion Flash Sale just happened to line up perfectly with what I wanted to say. Um, I, th- I find it so valuable to have physical copies of things that you like. Books, movies, m- music, whatever. I think it's valuable because, for one thing, it's supporting the people that make it. You know, if you just rent or watch the same movie on streaming over and over again, you're not really supporting the people who made that movie. Um recently a couple weeks ago uh, matt damon was on hot ones you know the the internet show where they eat spicy wings and ask more intense questions about a celebrity's life um wonderful program matt damon was on it and he talked about how uh drops in dvd sales have a finch has essentially like affected the way that films get made because when a film would get released on DVD, it was practically like a second chance at the box office where people would go back out or, and like rent it or buy it. And that like gave an extra boost to the sales of the film. But because we don't buy movies the way that we used to, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's, it's really done a number on like what films studios are willing to release. And so I think it's important from just a movie perspective to support the films that you enjoy like if you love a film just buy it like it's going directly to the people who made it and that's going to 
further encourage that they get to make more stuff. And I think that is important and valuable. Um, even from a more selfish angle, if I want to watch one of my favorite movies, I don't want to have to, you know, rent it on Amazon or check and find out which streaming service it's on. Um, I want to be able to just pick it up off my shelf and put it, put it in and just watch it. And in the same thing, like I, I like sharing movies with people. I like, you know, giving recommendations or if I find something I enjoy and, you know, I'm talking about movies with people and they're like, Oh, I've never seen that. I can just say, I've got it. Like I can, I can just put it in their hands and like give it to someone. And I, and I think that's a valuable part of sharing because when you have, you know, three, four streaming services in your home and, and each one is just bogged down with so much stuff. I can recommend a movie on Amazon prime. Like I do on this podcast pretty regularly. And you can open up Amazon prime and just completely forget why you opened it. Or like, you can just get so distracted or so like you're so spoiled for choice that you may, you may never find stuff. And so like having a physical copy, I can just put it in your hands. Like that's valuable. And like with music, Again, it's just supporting the artist. I just love having the things that I like in a physical copy. And I was thinking about this the other day. I think that with the way that we are becoming more and more reliant on digital media, our methods of having backups might actually flip on us a little bit. Like back when movies started having like the digital copy on them. Do you remember that? You remember when like you'd buy a DVD or a Blu-ray and be like, oh yeah, there's a digital copy. Like, go to this website, put in this code, and you can download this movie for free just because you bought it. And, like, that was a way of, like, backing up all the films that you owned. And I guess, like, the the ultimate idea was that you could have it, download it, and you could, like, maybe burn it onto a CD-ROM or something as if that's something that people did all the time. But regardless, you know, we they were selling, like, digital backups as a way of kind of ensuring that you would always have it. But that is, with the rise of, like, streaming services and such, you know, we've started having, watching all of our movies, just streaming them. Or, like, you know, you have a Kindle with all of your books on it. Or, you know, most people don't even own CDs or, shoot, even, like, no one owns vinyls, hardly. But then, like, like, CDs and stuff, like, everyone just streams all their music. And that's fine. Like, I do all of those things, except for the Kindle. I don't own a Kindle. But, like... I stream most all of the movies I watch. I stream most all of the music I listen to. But you go back to this like hypothetical situation that's like, what if something was to happen to all of our digital copies? Like, you know, what if someday Spotify completely goes under and loses all of their information? What if, you know, if we're talking like super cataclysmic events, like an electromagnetic pulse comes out and wipes up all of our like electronics it's like the only way you have to to read your books or you know i said wipe off all your electronics but like let's say the internet just explodes which i don't think that could happen i don't know how the internet works but i think that eventually we're going to start maybe buying physical copies of things as a backup to the digital things that we enjoy that's the point i'm trying to make i think it's kind of neat like a lot of my favorite movies i have streamed the first time I saw them and because I love them so much I will go out of my way to buy a physical copy and that might seem backwards to some people but it's 
it's the way I've chosen to do things and I, and I love it very much and you won't talk me out of it. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, buy stuff, buy books, buy movies, buy music. It's valuable. I don't think you'll ever regret it. At least that's my take. Um, Watford news. Oh boy. It's actually getting a little better. Um, I, I gave a big sigh just cause that's what I'm used to doing for the Watford news, but, um, they played on Saturday, uh, against Norwich city, which is a team that we have successfully been, uh, promoted and relegated with twice <laughs> over the last three years. Um, but they played them and they're like second in the league right now. And we are 17th. Um, and guess what? We hosted them at home and we beat them two one and it was awesome. It made me so excited. It was another game that was streamed on ESPN plus. I didn't get to watch it live, but I was able to go back and watch it on demand. And it was so exciting, you know, just to watch them play. I don't get to do that much anymore, but to see them play and to see them win. Oh man, that was exciting. Um, they're, they're back up to 10th place. Um, we still have a lot of injuries in the side, but I think players are starting to come back slowly. Some of our more valuable players anyways, like Xiao Pedro made his first game back since the hiring of our new head coach, Slavin Bilic. Uh, Imran Luz has been back. He's our, he's our best midfielder. We're happy to have him back in the side. Um, I don't know. I'm seeing some good stuff, but what do I know? I don't know too much about soccer, but like there's some good stuff happening and hopefully uh, there's a little bit of momentum that can be carried forward into the rest of the season. Cause boy, oh boy, we need wins. I don't know how I feel like I, I would like to see the team get promoted to the premier league again. Cause why wouldn't you? That's, you know, a team makes more money. They're able to afford better players and you can try to build some momentum to stay there. But this whole cycle of firing our head coaches so much, we've had five head coaches in the past calendar year. That is insane. It's unbelievable how many that is. Um, this whole cycle of firing head coach and just hiring a new one, firing him and hiring someone else has worked for long enough to maybe convince the owner, Gino Pazzo, who is a, a lunatic that I don't want to own our, our club anymore. Um, it's just kind of convincing him that it works. Like it's okay for me to keep doing this because I've done it over and over again and it's worked every time. Why should I stop doing it? Um, hmm maybe a couple, a year or two in the championship might convince him that it's not such a good idea. It's not working. Find something else or better yet. Uh, he just sells the club. I'd be okay with that too. I think that'd be pretty great. Um, happy for a weekend. We'll see how the rest of this week goes. The matches they play the world cups coming up soon. That's going to be super exciting. Uh, it's going to put a damper on the Watford news, but we get to watch team USA uh, embarrass us in front of the whole world. And that's going to be so exciting. Can't wait for that. But, uh, that's pretty much all I got. I think I'm very excited for the movie that I plan to do on Friday. Um, I'm just going to say, I'm going to do it. Forget planning. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Thank you guys for listening. It means a lot to me that you tune in to listen to my thoughts about movies and other stuff in Watford. Because it's like, those are like my three favorite topics. Movies and other stuff in Watford. That's kind of like the whole thing with this podcast. Thank you guys. Have a good week. Um, enjoy this wonderful fall weather that we're having. Um, even if you're not in Missouri enjoying this wonderful fall weather, enjoy the weather anyways. Thank you guys. Have a good one. And until next time.